Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg is with us today. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. We're always looking for um, cutting-edge tools, tips that will help you to perform in the top 10%. Or if you have a team that you lead, what are some of the things that you can immediately do with your team? And we always have great folks, that, that one, that we're interested in as guests, that we can learn some things from, but two, that you'll be able to get some tips some information, really some cutting-edge tools and tactics that you can use. So today we have Dr. Kenneth Nowak, and uh, Dr. Nowak is a licensed psychologist and president of O-Factor, an international consulting company providing neural management-based organization and leadership solutions. We're going to talk to him today about one of the things that he's really excited about is peak performance and looking at the research around sleep, He's an expert on emotional intelligence. And then what are some of the strategies that you could use? So Dr. Nork has conducted research and published extensively in the area of 360-degree feedback, health psychology, occupational stress, and job burnout. He serves as the chief learning officer for Invisia Learning and is a member of the consortium of, uh, for research on emotional intelligence in organizations. So that's the group out of Rutgers that Daniel Goldman started um, and all research is done through there. Some great site, eiconsortium.com. We'll, have, we'll ask uh, Ken a little bit about that. He received his BS and MS degrees in educational psychology, University of California at Davis, and then a PhD in counseling psych, uh, University of California, Los Angeles at UCLA. He also serves as the associate editor for the APA Journal of Consulting Psychology, um, practice and research. He's the author of two books, Clueless, Coaching People Who Just Don't Get It, and From Insight to Improvement, How to Leverage Your 360-Degree Feedback. I saw Ken speak maybe about three years ago at one of the Society of Consulting Psychology conferences. We just came back for one recently in in Seattle, but I really loved uh, what he had to say. He was very applied, and anybody that I get excited about um, and the work they're doing want to be able to share uh, with you. So before we bring on um, Dr. Nowak, and we'll have a series of questions for him, we want to talk a little bit about leadership development news. So now we're in our 10th year, and it's one of the, we're, I think, the number two business show on Voice America, millions of listeners, 27 countries, 126 cities. And just over the last uh, four years, there's been about a million downloads of these podcasts. So you can get these. They're on the, the Voice America website. You can also um, subscribe at iTunes. And so all the people that we've interviewed over all these years, top names in a variety of different fields, you can get and listen to as you drive or to pass on to your team. Um, so let me say a word about Kathy. So my co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, um, she has a proven work-life strategies based on positive psychology and now the science of courage. She's also been named the First Lady of Happiness and, and the First Lady of Fearless Living. 
for ABC TV. Dr. Greenberg has authored uh, multiple popular books that you probably have seen, What Happy Working Mothers Know. Uh, her more current one is Fearless Leaders, and it talks about special operations, sports, athletes, global executives, uh, fearless leaders sharpen your focus. You can get it on Amazon, and it's fully supported by an integrated software program. It helps you and your team become fearless leaders. So if you want more information on that, you can go to www.fearlessleadersquiz.com, and you can get some more information about that. Um, my website, if you're interested in more information you know, about me, is, is www.truenorthleadership.com, and on there is a series of tools uh, around emotional intelligence. Uh, there's a derailer detector, and you can get some of the um, hook into the, my Psychology Today blog. It has about now about 140,000 reads. So let me say a few words uh, about why we do this show, and then we'll ask Ken uh, <clears throat> some of his expertise in regards to emotional intelligence and peak performance and, and sleep. So we've been doing this show for quite a while to give you folks um, tools, tips that we know from research and evidence-based to be top performers. And one of the reasons that we uh, do this, a lot of the things that we talk about is based around emotional intelligence. And some the literature shows that when you look at how smart someone is, IQ, you look at their technical expertise, how they got hired, and then you look at emotional intelligence. You know, if you think about you're hiring someone, those three things are always important. And uh, how smart you are, um, the research has shown that's an important factor, your IQ, anywhere from 25% of your success factors, probably as low as 4%. The key variable typically is emotional intelligence. And depending on the research, you know, some studies show it up to 50%, others, you know, higher, 70 80% of the key aspects that's going to allow you to be successful. And also why we talk about that, the further you move up in an organization, probably the more you do need emotional intelligence, you're working through people. How do you get them to be held accountable? How do you get them to do their best? How do you motivate them? How do you reward them? All these aspects uh, that we may touch a little bit on with Dr. Nowak. And coaching that uh, I do, Kathy does, and and that Ken does, uh, is a great way to increase your um, productivity. You know, we know training is important, and some of the research shows training shows about a 22% bump in productivity, but if you had individualized, tailored coaching, it can go up to as high as about 88%. So, Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you, really. Delighted to be here. Hope your uh, listeners are wide awake this morning. <laughs> All right, good, good. Well, uh, one of the things that we are going to talk about is sleep and um, the power of sleep. And, I, and Ken and I were talking about before the show, just as I was um, writing up some of the questions and reading some of his research that you're going to be fascinated about, I was not getting sleep. Matter of fact, I was up most of the night because I had a big trip uh, planned and was not, and had to finish some work. So I was... Uh, <clears throat> feeling guilty about writing the questions and also knowing, Ken, you're going to give us some good information. So tell us a little bit. We'll start off where who are some of the people that have influenced you the most. We always like to do that to kind of get a little look, kind of biography about who's been important in your life as a leader. Well, certainly it's got to be my father who um, at the age of 
oh gosh, seven and a half or eight, was put on a train one night at midnight by his parents. He was born in Erkner, East Berlin, uh, during a very difficult time. And uh, the train took him to France, where he was hidden for three years before he was uh, luckily smuggled out and wound up in an orphanage in San Francisco and never saw his uh, family again. Wow. So a very tough upbringing. And um, his uh, journey really was instrumental in kind of shaping my interest and actually watching the cohort of individuals that remained friends till my dad passed away last year that um, went through very similar experiences, some incredibly resilient, uh, some with um, some mental post-traumatic stress disorders and other types of maladies that really came out of a very challenging childhood. So for me, it's really his influence that I think shaped some of my research and curiosity around the importance of resilience and trust and even finding meaning and purpose in life. Wow. And that's an amazing story. So how did he get to the, uh, we'll just ask a little bit about this, how did he get to the United States? Yeah, there's a wonderful uh, French organization that I can't pronounce the name. It's called OSEI, and uh, they still exist today, and they were able to um, move my father from dilapidated farmhouses for three years to kind of as the Nazis penetrated the French countryside. And just luckily, um, he was able to, they were able to get some, but not all of the children out, where he wound up uh, through Ellis Island and didn't wind up uh, knowing and for Oh, gosh, maybe about 25 years uh, after my dad wound up in San Francisco that literally when people were entering the United States and New York, they split the alphabet and half the uh, alphabet stayed in the New York area and orphanages there, and the other half went to uh, San Francisco where I was born and raised. So uh, that's how his journey took him to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area where I grew up as a child. So if you come up with maybe one or two things... You know, that, that maybe takeaway, you know, that you got from your dad. I know, you know, when I think about my dad, and this is always good influence, you know, one of his things we've heard, we've heard a lot is plan your work, work your plan. And he would say that over and over, and that's always been instrumental. Are there a couple of things, I'm sure there's more than a couple, but things that you've kind of taken from your dad as, as lifelong uh, learnings? Well, I think it was the, you know, the concept of bounce back, that uh, my dad couldn't really influence his journey, but he certainly can influence the way he looked at that journey. And uh, it was just, again, the contrast with a lot of his um, friends that grew into adults, late adulthood, and some had a very bitter and, and caustic and pessimistic mm. view of the world and kind of carried that uh, inability to forgive. And my dad sort of put on an optimistic view that um, life was challenging, but I grew from it. It made me a better person. So again, you know, that the whole topic and area of emotional intelligence, a lot of that is the self-management of our emotions and how we can't at times change our situation, but certainly we have full control over the outlook, our self-talk, the narrator of what we say about things that totally does change the way that our mind-body influences. So to to my dad, I think he was a great model of Gosh, things happen in life, but um, let's take control of what you can and influence those that are most meaningful, and that's your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own behavior. Yeah. Well, that's huge, and we know kind of as psychologists working with folks, it's it's these role models are less less of what they say, more of what they do, and those are Mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah, so thanks for asking. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, say a little bit about what you do with Invisia and just kind of, um, you know, your organization, and then we'll get more into the specifics. 
Yeah, I would describe my role as more of a chief research officer. I'm involved in the development of uh, new assessments, the validation, research side of what we do. Um, do a lot of um, publication, a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. Um, we're an international assessment and really a tech- technology company, huh. and we deliver learning and development programs um, that are more online. We have offices in Santa Monica, but we're also global. We have a, a live office in Cambridge in the U.K. where I'm heading off uh, this weekend, and typically I'm out there four to five times a year. And we probably have about 15 global partners or associates that uh, translate, carry, and distribute some of our assessment products. So okay. um, we've been doing a lot of work in that area. Um, and I know I've been using some of your tools. Let me give you your give your uh, website for people who are interested. And then we'll take a quick break. So um, you can reach Ken and some of the great tools you got. Which we'll talk more about at NvidiaLearning.com. And Nvidia is E N V I S I A. NvidiaLearning.com. Um, so we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Dr. Ken Nowak, and we're going to talk more about his research around sleep and emotional intelligence and performance. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, so come right back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. 
Kathy's company, H2C. Happy Companies, Healthy People provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with Dr. Ken Nowak, and uh, a great researcher and, and leader in the field around emotional intelligence, and we're going to zero in on, on some more of the aspects that he's researched. And just before we move forward, um, you know, if you're interested in getting in touch with Dr. Kathy Greenberg, I haven't mentioned her website, www.drkathygreenberg.com. So, Ken, uh, we're just getting into the next part of the show, and so say a little bit about how emotional intelligence kind of fed in that you know it was pretty uh, inspirational about your dad and resilience and all that so how how did that emotional intelligence fit into your story well i think it's just it stimulated my curiosity and and uh, research areas uh, early on did my master's uh, thesis in the area of type a behavior and stress and locus of control so certainly we weren't uh, using the term emotional intelligence then and my doctoral research looked at uh, hardiness factors of executives so it's been an area of uh, constant research, and um, I already mentioned I'm a member of Dan Goldman's Consortium for Research and Emotional Intelligence, and one of the best websites and portals for uh, current research, and uh, certainly lots of great resources in general. Um, and part of that, too, I've also authored um, and published uh, Stress and Health and a Resilience Inventory with the Western Psychological Services, happens to be... Um, a large psychological publisher based in Los Angeles, and the tool is called the Stress Profile. So with that uh, assessment tool I've used and so have another uh, many, many researchers worldwide have used that translated tool for research in occupational stress and resilience and well-being. So it's been a real interest area of mine, and um, I might add, too, that I'm going to be presenting um, a little bit later this year at the 6th International Congress on Emotional Intelligence that's located in Porto in Portugal. Uh. I'll be uh, sharing a little bit more later in this program about what I'm going to be talking about, but it's about how uh, compromised emotional intelligence of leaders um, relates to getting inadequate sleep. Oh, okay, great, great. Well, let me just highlight a couple things you just said, and then we'll, we'll get into that. So the stress profile, is that a, that's available on your website, uh, invisialearning.com? 
You won't see it on our website, but actually if you go to Western Psychological Services and just Google Stress Profile, we do have a, a license agreement with them as the author that uh, we have our own feedback report. But um, if any of your listeners are interested, uh, just contact me later. But it is an academic uh, research tool, but we've also uh, developed a report that's great for executive coaching and for stress management, wellness, EAP, and provides a very comprehensive uh, report back to employees on about 13 factors that relate to health and well-being, and one of those is sleep. Okay, good, good. And so and how do people reach you? And then we'll get into the sleep part. Yeah, envisialearning.com. It's a little hard to spell, but it's www.envisialearning.com or ken at envisialearning.com is my email address. So thanks for asking, Perfect. really. Sure, sure. Um, so we talked a little bit about some of the research, and then uh, you know I know you did your dissertation on 360 degree feedback, and that was kind of way back when. I remember seeing that you know first 360 degree feedback gets so much uh, buzz these days, and can be so powerful if done right. And it's great to see that you did some research on that early on. Yeah, and it's, it's prompted a you know what I euphemistically referred to as clueless leaders, and that was one of the first books about three years ago that we wrote, and the title of the book is called Clueless, uh-huh. Coaching People Who Just Don't Get It. And our focus really was trying to illuminate for um, individuals that are in leadership roles that truly don't see the impact that their behavior has on yeah. uh, their team and the organization, and it can have some tremendous impacts on health and well-being. And uh, I do have that book, and, and that's uh, a great one. And we always talk about that the, the leader is the emotional thermostat of the team. And so, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's so important, obviously, that the leader kind of know where they are and their influence. And, and when I talk to groups, Ken, typically, you know, one of the things I always talk about is, you know, that almost every leader has underestimated their influence over others. And, you know, I ask them, you know, have, do they agree with that? I mean, we do have, you know, leaders today and people like Steve Jobs, certain people who probably didn't underestimate their influence. But most folks, you know, underestimate their influence just because they're doing their job and they're, you know, not realizing how much everybody's watching what they do and watching what they say. Well, we might debate a little bit about this figure, but uh, about two years ago, Gallup came out with a very interesting statistic based on their proprietary engagement survey in which they argued that and published that 70% of the variance in predicting employee engagement directly is tied to what leadership practices and what leaders do or don't do. So even if you want to debate a little bit about um, that number, I think the uh, focus that what leaders do makes a tremendous impact is important. In fact, last year I had an article that appeared in Talent Management Magazine. It was called Toxic Bosses May Cause Health Risk. And uh, it's very interesting when you look at the research literature that – in general, there's been at least uh, three very long-term longitudinal studies that have found directly that lack of emotional intelligence in leaders uh, measured by looking at to what extent uh, direct reports and talent working for leaders view their ability to warm up to these individuals, involve them in decision-making, uh, really take an interest in their career. But point is when they found that there's a lack of e- EI in leaders, uh, controlling for every known cardiac risk factor, such as blood pressure, smoking, or obesity, what they've uh, found in these longitudinal studies is that working for a toxic boss 
is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. So um, as I like to say, you know, competent jerks can literally kill you. Yeah, wow. No, that's huge. And this is what I love about the stuff, Ken, that you do is <clears throat> that it's so evidence-based. And, you know, as we're out with leaders and organizations, you know, you really want to do have some of that research. And um, So say again where that, that article's from. Toxic. Yeah, you can contact me, but it was in a, a magazine called Talent Management Magazine. Mm-hmm. It's a, a pretty well-known human resource magazine, and uh, the title of that article, again, was Toxic Bosses May Cause Health Risk. And we do have yeah. that posted at our website in the uh, resources and research section yeah. at envisialearning.com. That's great. Well, I know one of the, the pieces of research, and this we got from, from Goldman that I usually end up talking about, it's probably, you know, I'm sure you've seen it too. Uh, you know, if somebody is unfairly criticized and not listened to from their boss, so unfairly criticized, not listened to, not a one-shot deal, but it's kind of a normal thing, you know, once a week and this goes on forever, that same aspect that it leads, you know, higher risk of a, a cardiac event, and I think there it was like, you know, 30% or so. Yeah, it's quite dramatic. And, you know, just feeling and perceiving that we're ignored or emotionally hurt based on feedback that any human uh, provides to another, particularly leaders, um, is equivalent to being physically hurt. And we know that from some really cool research at UCLA about five or six years ago that came out of Naomi Eisenberger's lab at UCLA. And if uh, the listeners aren't familiar with it, just very briefly, she uses some of the latest uh, virtual reality technology and also measures actually what's going on in the brain using functional MRI. And she uses a protocol called the uh, ball toss in which uh, individuals go back to their days when they were a child on the playing ground, and I might throw a ball to you virtually, uh, Relly, and you'd throw it to someone else, Kathy, she throws it back to me, and we're having a great time. And then she changes the protocol that uh, just you and Kathy start tossing with each other and ignore me. Yeah. What she found was essentially, um, subjectively, everybody that experienced that um, being disconnected from the game uh, reported feeling hurt. They felt dejected. But what was most fascinating is when she looked at the fMRI, the areas of activation, the brain paralleled being physically beat up, uh, physical pain. So again, yeah. when we perceive and we're interacting with another individual and we think we're being bullied or we're being talked to in an evaluative and judgment uh, judgment manner, we're really inducing physical pain, which is why bullying should be taken as seriously as it is today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great research. We haven't had her on the show, but her husband also, you probably know Matthew Lieberman, we've had yeah. him on the show. Um, and, you know, as a, as a couple, they've done great stuff and created this whole, this whole field of cognitive, you know, neural, cognitive social neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so say... Uh, given your vast background of working with leaders, uh, how did you kind of zero in on some of the newer research that you're doing around sleep? Well, my interest goes back to the 1980s when I was literally an undergraduate at UC Davis. I uh, took a, a quarter, we were on a quarter system then, and formed a special studies and uh, drove down each week to Stanford University. And at that time, they had one of the leading gurus in sleep medicine who's now retired. His name is Dr. William DeMent, who taught one of the most popular courses, which I think still may be offered to Stanford students today on uh, sleep. 
And uh, that began my, my vast interest, and one of my uh, close friends and mentors who was a teaching assistant, assistant down there uh, at Stanford, his name is Dr. Mark Rosekind, uh, is a very interesting um, researcher. He was actually appointed by uh, President uh, Obama as um, on the board of the National Transportation and Safety, and most recently was appointed administrator of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. So that began really my interest, and from that developed, like I say, one of many scales in the stress profile to continue doing research in this area. Huh. Well, um, we got two more um, segments that we want to zero in on that because we're going to take a, a break now. We'll hear you know, more about that actual research and then some of the things that you know, that people can do and tools and tips that you maybe bring to some of the executives that you work with. So you're listening great. to Leadership Development News. We're going to take a break, so come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com, or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with Dr. 
Ken Nowak, a, a top performer in research and emotional intelligence. You can learn more about him and his organization at www.invisia, E-N-V-I-S-I-A, learning, invisialearning.com. So, Ken, before we took the break, we're just getting into talking more about your um, interests around sleep and some of the research. So why don't you take it from there, you know, more of what you can inform us about the need for sleep, why it's important, we'll get into some tools and tactics. Thanks, Wally. Yeah, I used to um, honestly think that sleep was just one of maybe two or three pillars of really important factors related to psychological well-being and health, but I've really turned around, and I, I don't agree with that anymore. In fact, I think sleep may be the single most effective thing any of us can do to sort of reset our brain and body for health. Um, let me give you some work examples. It's pretty intuitive that lack of sleep is um, damaging to productivity and mood, and um, believe it or not, our, our in, inflammatory response is dramatically increased even with just a couple hours of lack of sleep. But one example came out of uh, my colleague Mark Rosekind's work when he was with um, National Transportation Safety Board. They did a study analyzing uh, 182 of the major accidents. These are, you know, airlines and trains and um, ships and other kinds of large transportation carriers between the years of 2001 to 2012. And they found that over 20% of uh, the participants directly involved were identified um, as being fatigued and probably what they labeled as the probable cause or a contributing a factor or single finding to that accident. Huh. So again, pretty intuitive that um, lack of sleep costs American industry quite a bit of money. And so when you uh, have research, and I know everybody's different, and it's probably, you know, I don't know if there's like a set point about sleep, but like what? You know, what would be, the, what's the norm, um, you know, that people should get or the kind of the range? Yeah, great question. Um, there was a rigorous milestone study actually in 2002. There was more than a million healthy men and women that was um, done by the American Cancer Society. And what they found was the magic amount of sleep for longevity rallied around about seven seven and a half hours at night. And what's interesting is uh, real important for listeners to be familiar with is what lack of sleep does to you in terms of uh, memory, concentration, uh, psychomotor vigilance, mood. And some of this comes out of the work from Anne Williamson and her colleagues from the University of New Wales and Australia. And she demonstrated that getting two hours less sleep than you need. So if your set point is, you know, eight hours per se, and you get two hours less, she found that um, you're impaired, even though subjectively you may argue with me that I'm fine in terms of memory and mood, as if you've been drinking a couple of uh, drinks of alcoholic beverages. But what's more is if you get four hours or less in equivalent terms of poor quality sleep or total sleep in terms of psychomotor performance and memory, it's equal to being legally drunk in most uh, U.S. states. Ah, okay. Well, that's why I was feeling guilty. <laughs> I was going for a ski trip, and, and hopefully my uh, uh, motor skills were, were intact. But that's interesting. So yeah, less than four if hours. We could have wired you up. I don't know if you drove home, but uh, literally, if we were able to look at brain waves, you would yeah. would have been experiencing what we call micro sleeps. And literally, one of the uh, hemispheres, your left hemisphere, would probably be shooting a lot more of uh, the deeper spikes of sleep called delta wave sleep. 
uh, intermix with you being able to do what you can do pretty unconsciously and that stay between the white lines and break, but that uh, lack of attention is what we call distracted driving and, and yeah. fatigue and sleep certainly contributes to some major accidents on the freeway today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, at least on this one, you know, we flew and, and, um, and so this is interesting because uh, let's tie in a little bit about it, things that you, let's say you don't get that much, um, the whole trend about mindfulness and I've been doing a, you know, a mindfulness practice, you know, for over 40 years. So I end up doing, you know, on the plane and everything else is just doing these, you know, meditation. Um, and now I think it helps me, uh, especially if times I'm getting less sleep, but you know, that could be a rationale. Any, anything you know about that? You know, where you get this intermittent, and it probably is probably is the theta waves that I imagine I can get into pretty quick. Well, I think you're, you're talking about some broad areas. One is how to possibly address um, the inability to fall asleep or stay asleep at night, which we might uh, clinically define as insomnia. That has to have a, a clinical um, description of occurring at least three times a week and uh, certainly uh-huh. lasting for about three months. But... For most of us, things like daily stress and tensions and, and workload and family uh, responsibilities certainly will get in the way of getting to a good night of quality sleep. And things like mindfulness and other types of uh, relaxation strategies are one of many things people could consider doing to uh, really foster uh, what we call sleep hygiene, getting adequate rest and sleep each night. And one of the simple things we all probably do is we experience a very common malady called the Sunday night insomnia. So here we are Monday morning, and I don't yeah. know how many listeners uh, might have felt uh, just the inability to get out of bed and feel uh, bright and alert, but a lot of times on Saturday and Sunday, we actually sleep in a little bit longer, and by doing so, we're inducing a type of jet lag so that when we go to bed Sunday night, we've actually shifted even by an hour or so the inability of our brain to say, hey, let's go to sleep, and by the time the alarm hits, uh, we would actually require and like to stay in bed uh, a little bit longer. So those are some things just behaviorally we can engineer, which is you know, try to stick to a common wake-and-sleep uh, cycle every day, even on weekends. Uh, so just to kind of uh, go back to that, so when people think, you know, can they catch up, like they're thinking on Saturday, Sunday, uh, that's what... <coughs> my time to catch up on sleep you know can you really do that um is there a catch-up mode well there's a catch-up mode if you've been severely deprived of sleep so for example david dingus is um, a noted sleep expert and heads up uh, the sleep lab and clinic very fancy uh, title of the lab there at the university of pennsylvania but let me share with you one of the things he's found about uh, the ability to make up sleep and he took um use a particular kind of uh, psychomotor test as a performance measure, and uh, he found that eight hours of sleep didn't really do much to get in the way of attention lapses or cognitive decline, but uh, certainly when we keep people in a lab and, and we decrease their sleep or eliminate sleep over a couple of weeks, we found, he found that uh, participants who slept for only four or six hours a night had dramatically and steadily uh, decline each passing day, even though subjectively they said, I'm alert, I'm able to mm. perform real well. So there's a big gap between what we think we can do and what our body's uh, capable of doing. 
And you can, in fact, with you know a good night's sleep, really recover from any psychological, physical harm that sleep does. But again, you may be shifting, as I mentioned, with the Sunday night uh, insomnia phenomena. Uh, you may feel as if you caught up on sleep over the weekend, but now you're creating a new problem, which is now I'm pooped out on Monday morning because I did not get enough sleep that my body really requires Sunday night. Uh-huh. And then, so then the key performance factors, let's say, for the leaders we're thinking about is about memory, concentration, focus. Like, what would be some of the, because I think, like you said, some of it's subtle, and, you know, they don't, what's the difference between someone who's really effective and maybe then all of a sudden they're 10 or 20% less effective? Some of that's pretty subtle. Yeah, it is, and it goes back to what's the purpose of sleep, which has eluded uh, researchers for many, many, many years, and I can't say we're 100% sure we know, but sleep probably has two major uh, functions, and one is to consolidate memories. We, We sleep to learn and we sleep to forget. So one purpose of sleep, obviously, is to facilitate uh, retention and sort of cutting the neural circuits of what we don't need to remember. But the most important function of sleep is it really serves as a dishwasher. It's uh, strange, but when we sleep at night, there's a whole set of uh, lymphatic areas of the brain. The cells actually widen, and what's happened is we're flushing out as many of the toxins that may be, uh, I guess, very simply for the listeners, those pieces of the dendrites or the neurons that are chopped off, we've got to get them out of the brain. And when unable to get adequate rest and sleep, it's as if you've traveled to uh, anywhere in the world and there's been a strike where garbage piles up in the street. That's exactly what's happening in the brain. So when we don't get rest and sleep, uh, it has a circular effect of not just... uh, creating the inability to concentrate and focus and and, um, impact moods, but we see even with two hours less sleep at night, one of the major markers of inflammation, which is called IL-6, it's a cytokine, increases dramatically and we're causing an inflammatory response. So it's a pretty complicated question that you ask and just simply we know that there's a, a variety of things we can do. And it's complicated because you may have a, a bona fide sleep disorder that gets in the way of uh, adequate rest and sleep at night. You may be yeah. on medication. You may be experiencing physical pain. All right. of these, depression, other mental illnesses, um, all circular in terms of sleep as a cause and sleep as a, an outcome of um, how well we perform and, right. and do during the day. So uh, one of the questions that I want to ask, and, and uh, because... You know, you're an expert on this, and everybody, you know, we all sleep, and we all think we're experts, and even on the the ski trip I had on the chairlift, we had, there was a conversation about, well, what do you do if you can't fall asleep? So we'll come back to that and get kind of get your experience with that or information. So you're listening to Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most 
leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. <clears throat> We're talking with Dr. Ken Nowak. We're talking about sleep. For more information from him, his website is www.invisialearning.com. And so, Ken, before we went to the break, I think the two areas that for most people is falling asleep. Any tips that, uh, about falling asleep? Or a lot of people then end up saying, oh, I wake up and then my mind starts racing. You know, those two aspects. Anything that, that you think was a strategy would be helpful in those two areas? Yeah, and again, pretty complicated because of multiple reasons for why it might be difficult to get right. to sleep and why there may be contributing factors to waking up. But let's first define you know, what you're asking about, which is pretty commonly referred to as insomnia. And I want to reiterate what I said before, Rick, that insomnia is difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, even when a person has the chance to do so. And that people with insomnia can really feel dissatisfied with their sleep and usually experience one or more of the following kinds of symptoms the next day, including fatigue, which is different from uh, sleepiness, low energy, difficulty concentrating, even mood disturbances, and uh, obviously decreased performance in work. Um, Difficulty in falling asleep might be normal and situational. And if you're in pain, for example, it's going to be really hard to saw those Zs and fall asleep rapidly. Most of us have... um, pretty small window in which we fall asleep. We call it in sleep research sleep latency, and that's uh, defined as the amount of time it takes you to hit your pillow and and go into one of the first stages of non-dream sleep, and we can actually measure that, obviously, in a sleep lab, and uh, things like Fitbits and and other apps do an okay job in trying to get at that. So while you're on that, what what is the norm of of falling asleep when someone's head hits the pillow? What would be about the norm? Well, the answer depends on how sleepy you are. So if I um, would have taken you when you went away over uh, this weekend and said, hey, really, here's a pillow or (laughs) just lay down, literally within minutes you would uh, fall into non-REM stage one sleep. 
for most of us that have had adequate rest and sleep, again, if we got our seven to eight and a half hours, that, that type of range, um, six to nine, ten minutes is about average, but it is an indicator of just how sleepy you are. So okay. It's sort of an interesting area. Yeah. And difficulty in falling asleep, as I mentioned, um, might be really situational. Um, so if you're, you're having an adverse reaction to medication, you're in pain, or there's something else going on, um, you might have uh, an issue. For example, when any of us travel and we go somewhere new, yeah. we typically uh, experience poor sleep, and it's for one night or so, and we have a label for that. We call it the first night effect. And what's fascinating is, again, if we were to wire you up and measure um, your eye movements, your brain waves, your muscle tone, we would um, actually experience that one of your hemispheres, the left hemisphere, as I mentioned earlier, uh, would actually be more vigilant. And it comes out of uh, an evolutionary uh, mammalian type huh. of survival that if you go and watch a dolphin or other mammals, they actually sleep with an eye open and one brain much more active than the other. So what we occur as, as humans when we go somewhere brand new is a little vestige of that that we find in the left hemisphere, uh, less of the deep sleep that um, our right hemisphere has. Huh. So as, a, as I mentioned, the common clinical definition of insomnia is just the inability to get to sleep at least three times a week. We have to see that pattern for about three months. Um, otherwise, it's a transient or temporary insomnia that we may or may not get uh, clinically excited about. But um, people with chronic insomnia really do have that difficulty yeah. in staying asleep. And I'll just mention a couple of treatments. And yeah. I wish I could say a, a one-size-fits-all, not the case. Uh, but we know, for example, that sleep hygiene, as I mentioned, regular sleep and wake uh, is very important. We're actually learning that um, you know, people that are tuned into their smartphones and tablets, um, the blue light that's emitted actually triggers to our brain that it's daylight and actually interferes with the production of melatonin. So obviously staying off those things, even watching televisions uh, late at night, can for people that are stressed and in pain or have some complications with medication. Not a great idea. So lots of basic sleep hygiene things. Exercise has been known to solidify uh, deep sleep. So again, not just a health benefit, but a sleep aid. But we also, there's a lot of psychological treatments. Um, the gold standard for insomnia, and again, chronic insomnia, is cognitive behavioral therapy. There's quite a bit of published research that helping people to reframe, reframe and refocus and change the way we look at things can really benefit, believe it or not, quality of sleep. Um, what you mentioned, mindfulness and mindfulness meditation, the variations of that, even yoga, quite a bit of peer-reviewed uh, data does suggest as an intervention, it slows the mind. It makes us mindful rather than our mind being full. Right. And certainly medical, you may, or listeners may need to uh, get a referral or go back to their primary physician or even... Um, more complicated, go and get a sleep workout if they're on prescription medications or there's a chronic illness or disease, a lot of autoimmune disorders. I do some research with multiple sclerosis clients and uh, find that there are individuals that have very impaired sleep and lots of uh, chronic medical conditions can certainly interfere with the ability to fall asleep or stay asleep at night. Yeah. So I wish, again, I could say there's just uh, one answer, so, you know, do this and it'll work for everyone. So, um, yeah, I understand it's complicated, and if we were lying there, would, would 
doing, you know, now some of the things that you said were ahead of time that would help sleep, but now you're lying in bed would doing some deep breathing, uh, progressive relaxation, any of those things, would, or, would, would those help as you're there, or should you just get up out of bed and do something different? Well, I think, again, if you're wide awake, um, try to separate what we do in bed uh, beyond sleeping, but um, right. I, I, things that are relaxing the mind will relax the body and help uh, our ability to move into back again into non-REM or um, non-dream stages. So, again, cognitive uh, techniques, mindfulness, yeah. breathing okay. exercises, visualization can be pretty conducive, but uh, certainly we want to try and get as yeah. you know, much sleep as we possibly can. And, and you talked to, about the stages. Which stage uh, sleep is, is, is REM, and is that, is that the one that's the most uh, restful or recharging? Well, actually, we don't think any of them is better than the other. Let me walk you through kind of the architecture of what happens for any of our listeners tonight. When you first go to bed, um, you'll move from wakefulness to sleep, and sometimes we've all experienced um, a jerk where we wake back up and we feel as if, oh, my gosh, uh, was I sleeping? Was I awake? And that's right. part of a, a normal transition of our brain um, and the melatonin and the sleep-activating system uh, really causing us to, in our brain to shut down. But right. uh, we call that hypnagogic imagery when we sort of think, oh my gosh, something's coming at us or I'm going right. to fall and we abruptly wake up. But for most of us, when we go to bed tonight, we'll move into the first type of sleep, very different uh, type of sleep called non-rapid eye movement sleep. And it's characterized by the slowing down of brain waves. So we'll go from a lighter stage where we can be awakened very easily and about uh, 70, 80 minutes later, we're into the deepest stage when we first go to bed at night called um, stage four, deep sleep, theta waves of non-rapid eye movement sleep. Then we make an interesting transition um, at about 90 minutes on average after we go to bed each night, and our voluntary muscles are completely uh, paralyzed, and again, from an evolutionary perspective, yet our brain is as active as you and I are conversing right now, and listeners are right. multitasking and listening to this radio show, and we move into our first dream period where there's incredible activity and a lot of... Um, change at a neurophysiological level. Brain waves are dramatically different and almost mimic what they look like, when, again, when we're awake. There'll be oh. rapid eye movement, which is what's characterized by the label REM, or rapid eye movement sleep. So yeah. this is a pattern we'll continue for, um, you know, five, six, seven hours. And the longer we sleep, we have less deep sleep in the early um, portion of the morning, and our dream periods actually increase in length. Okay, and that's the, that would be the last stage early in the morning. I know yeah. uh, we're going to have to end here in a moment. Um, last question, what's the most challenging emotion you've seen for leaders that they have to deal with just in a, in a word, and then we'll bring us to a close? Yeah, well, I, probably it's uh, around anger and hostility, and my research in type A behavior has really led me to believe that that's a tough one for individuals to manage and to do something about as part of a life pattern. Okay. That's great. Well, Ken, uh, we could we could talk for another hour very very easily, and uh, maybe we'll have you back at some point. But really appreciate um, your time, and then all the quality evidence based research you're doing. So this is we've been talking with Dr. Ken Nowak. You can reach him at his website, Ken at InvisiaLearning.com or www.InvisiaLearning.com. So Ken, thanks so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me today. 
And you've been listening to Leadership Development News, so tune in again next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.